Bankrupt to millionaire, get ready to add new tools to your tool belt. This is Vincent A. Lancy, and welcome back to That Entrepreneur Show. What will we cover today? Prisoner of war mentality, which is what he uses in business. Business success or failure is in the planning. Sean's superpower, identifying, recruiting, and retaining world-class talents. The Bermuda Triangle of Startups, why startups fail, and why small businesses should think like a Fortune 500 company and vice versa. From dream job to bankrupt to millionaire, Sean is the founder of The Weekend MBA and the host of the 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast, a top 10 entrepreneur podcast, as well as the author of four best-selling books. You know, I'm excited to have him on. Stay tuned for a Writing with Authors episode on my YouTube channel. If you enjoy today's show, we will have him on there as an author, I'm sure. But Sean, what does entrepreneurship mean to you? I think entrepreneurship next to faith is is the greatest formula for, you know, for mankind. I mean, really, it solves more problems. It, it creates the finance, the money that we have that gets everything accomplished. I mean, there'd be no government without money. Um, so, <laughs> and I, you know, you have faith and then entrepreneurship is the great it is the great elixir. It is, you know, it changes the game. It gives you freedom, opportunities. It allows you to, you know, be able to give generously. I mean, there's nothing like it. This segment is sponsored by Bedrock Business Builders, a small business startup specialist. Start, build, manage. I love it. You said the opportunities it provides at a traditional nine to five. You can kind of see where those opportunities are coming from. When we're on our own, we have to make it happen every day. And I like your point there with the government. Without that, there's nothing. I saw a picture before someone won a 1.2 around billion dollar Powerball. And the government obviously had to get some money. They ended up taking home 400 million or so out of that yeah. 1.2 billion. <laughs> so they'll make, a, they'll make a mess of the 400 million. Yeah. Well, thank you for kicking us off, Sean Castrina. And everyone, welcome back again. I'm very, very excited for this episode and to keep this community of entrepreneurs growing. It always joys me when inbox emails come in of people who want to join this community. And there's going to be a lot of tools to add your toolbox. As I mentioned, he's overcome a lot. He's accomplished a lot. And of course, as I mentioned, he has another entrepreneurship podcast. So stay tuned to the end of the show. We'll find out exactly how to get in touch with that show and all of his findings Sean, let's help our community out right away. What are two of the most challenging parts of being an entrepreneur for you? Yeah, I always say there's actually three things that I do that Please. separates my job from everybody else's in the, in the company. Number one is I, I solve the biggest problems. My partners can solve 80% of them, but they don't have the latitude and or the complete resources of the company and they don't defend the brand. So I, I, I handle the biggest problems. I handle the biggest people issues. We're either a difficult client and or a difficult employee and or I make the biggest hire that moves the needle the most. Right. So I deal with that. Number three is I manage the profit. So if you can't manage the money, the money that comes in, you know, you're constantly bleeding it out every week. You don't put money in reserves, a war chest and things of that nature. You don't leverage it well. You know, you're probably not going to grow. So really, I, I feel like problems, people and profit are my three P's and that's where I stay focused. Yeah. And all of them carry different challenges. You just highlighted a bunch of great ones and gave some great tips. Plan for the future. Don't bleed out that money week to week. And I also like how you 
kind of delegate strengths, it seems like. You say that they can solve 80% of the problems and you let them work with that? Absolutely. I Listen to me. I would delegate a bowel movement if I thought somebody would wipe up behind me. But, you know, <laughs> seriously, I've got no problem. Too many business owners do way too much. I do the 20% that I either do easier than everybody else, better than everybody else, and the consequences are, are graver. So, I, you know, I should be, you know, doing those. Very well said. And thank you for that advice to our audience. But let's now go back to your story. What led you to start this entrepreneurial journey, Sean? Yeah, I, I lost my dream job. I was in grad school, had what I thought was my dream job in the D.C. area, working for a nonprofit. And, um, you know, it just they if you ever hear these words, the next part of the conversation is not what you really want to hear. When you hear the words, we're going in a different direction. Never good to hear unless you're in a car and somebody's driving. But other than that, it's not good for your career. So there was a change in leadership, all new staffing, a new, you know, head CEO came in, head person. And, you know, I, I, we were, you know, we're like, I was let go. And um, yeah, so I realized then that this, the idea that you'd, I just figured I would join a company and eventually be the CEO. That's kind of how my brain works. Right. I'm, I was a division one athlete. I'm just like, seek, destroy, seek, destroy, <laughs> like a heat seeking missile. And and then I just kind of realized after that, now I'm going to have to make something of my own happen because I never, it never crossed my mind prior to then to start a company. Never. I mean, until I heard those words, I just figured I'd be an exceptional you know, employee and just eventually take over and run, run a company. Well, you've, you hit it on the head right there. You have to pivot. You didn't just give up throw in the towel. You said there might be a new opportunity. What were some of your first opportunities as an entrepreneur, if you don't mind? Yeah. So first thing I did is when you lose your job, the first thing you do is get another job. You don't start a company. That is probably the biggest mistake people make. Number one is your self-esteem is not at an all-time high. Number two is, is that you don't have money coming in. So I just think it's a bad, I just don't think it's the ideal time to be perfectly frank. I think the first thing you do is get a job. You play defense sometimes. So just just get, get, you know, play defense, put something like a stopper in the bottom of the sink. Don't lose any more water. Right. Okay. That, that's how you have to think. And that's what I did. I got a job selling insurance. And when I was in our Monday sales meetings, I, I you know, it's the first time I ever saw like really expensive cars, like insurance next to probably selling drugs. They probably do the best financially yeah. because it was the first time I saw Mercedes, BMW, Jags just lined up. And then I saw my car out there. And I was like, it'd be so cool if I could get my car because it looked a mess out there cleaned in this parking lot. And it's like 30 years ago. Now, today, that'd mean nothing. There's a car wash like every 600 yards. But so I, I created a company at the time. It was not a lot of these, but a mobile detailing company called Waxmaster Mobile Detailing. I still remember our tagline, America's Choice in Mobile Detailing. My philosophy is always grab the biggest, boldest position from day one if nobody's done it. And then the phone number, 888-933-3824, was toll-free We Detail. I still remember this is 30 years later. And I still remember it all. And I actually had the company come clean a few of my nice cars here about six weeks ago because I eventually sold it. But I, I started a car detailing company, and it really set the model in place for what I've always thought. It wasn't a sexy company, but I knew there was a demand for it. I knew we'd make money from day one, and we made money from day one. Uh, number two is I knew I would not be doing any of the work. I would get the system up and running. We had a person who took the phone calls and basically it was, you know, did you have a car? Did you have a van at the time? You know, car, van, inside, outside, or both. It, easy pricing. She booked everything at the end of the week. He'd bring me all the checks. I'd write him a check back for 50%. 
And that was it. And I made over $30,000 passively while I was selling insurance. Didn't quit insurance at the time. And, and I knew then that I kind of figured yeah. something out. Yeah. And so I've been doing that model for about 30 years now. I own you know, multi-million dollar service companies from digital marketing to eight companies within home improvement space. And um, you know, so that, that's kind of been my formula. What an incredible lesson right there. And to everyone listening on, never give up. You never know where your journey will take you from mobile car detailing to running these multi-million dollar companies. Thank you for staying ambitious, Sean, and leading by example. Let's now go back to your current business. Let's highlight everything you have going on. Yeah. So the biggest thing I have, you know, I think I kind of got three things that are kind of big going on. One, I have a home improvement company that's really a juggernaut, amazing. And I'm going to franchise one of our divisions. I'm speaking with a franchise company now. So because we have kind of a unique system in how we do a few things, but we do everything from roofing, siding to solar. Then we have, you know, high-end bathrooms, to high-end kitchens, on-staff designer. I mean, everything is very bougie. <laughs> we have handyman, masonry, painting. And then we have decks and screen porches. So, I mean, like $75,000 screen porches are, you know, very boutique-y. So we have a very unique business model, uh, you know, better business value plus rating. We've won every possible um, award that you can win within our space. So that's position number one. I started that company 22 years ago because I couldn't find a handyman to help me convert my dining room into an office. I had started a direct mail magazine at the time. And I built that into 21 cities and went to more homes in the Sunday Washington Post. And we just had a new child and I work from home and it's hard to get your mojo when you got a chandelier hanging over your head. So I just wanted to put like recess lights in it and create some bookshelves. And it was like trying to find a one-eyed leprechaun. So I started a handyman company and about four weeks into it, we had 55 phone calls for work. And I knew then that I kind of hit the holy grail. And I brought on a partner immediately. We scaled it to over a million dollars within three years and just every year it's just added something that our clients wanted us to do and then i own a digital marketing company um i'm a founder co-founder of gig strategic which is an incredible digital marketing company for local small businesses and we're getting ready to expand to a couple new cities and then we're going to franchise that within 12 months so they're the two biggest things and then of course i founded the weekend mba which is always you know, an annual, you know, it's in the, the last weekend in April this year, it'll be at the, um, geez, the Gaylord Hotel in Orlando. And so that's always fun. So there, that's kind of my, the things I'm working on as we speak. And then where is your, where are you located right now? And when you franchise, will it become national? Oh yeah. Yeah. National of course. And Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm right outside. I'm like five miles from the university of Virginia. Excellent. Well, you please keep me in the loop because I'm here in Tampa. Orlando is just an hour away. I have to make sure to meet you in person and check out all the great things you have going on. Um, you're talking about franchising. Shout out to a past guest, Carrie Gilly. If you'd like to be connected, I'm happy to. Out in the Omaha area, Franchise Fastlane has won tons of awards. She's another hustler just like you. I want to take a break before we check out Sean's greatest lesson learned and which entrepreneur he would choose to speak with throughout history. This week, we're going to dive right into Larry King's story, and I'm excited that I have not chosen this one yet. Someone else who not only, like Sean, thrived after bankruptcy, but is crushing it nationwide. Here's an article from Time I'm going to touch on, and then we're going to have our guest take on it. The legendary talk show host could have used his famous suspenders to hold up a wooden barrel, the article puts. As any journalist will tell you, 
Work in media doesn't always pay the bills, and Larry King's first gig in radio was no exception. As a fledgling Miami radio announcer in the 1960s, he made no secret that he was flying high despite the paltry salary that came with his radio gig. His money management came to head when he was arrested in 1971 and charged with grand larceny for allegedly stealing $5,000 from his business partner and Wall Street financier, Lewis Wolfson. The charges were dropped, but now we're going to talk about how it affected his career. The dark mark on his career wasn't as he was fired from his radio jobs, wouldn't hold a regular journalism job for more than four years, dragging him even deeper and deeper into debt where it eventually hit $350,000, declared bankruptcy in 1978. But that same year, he was offered the late night talk show in Washington, D.C., right near our guest and eventually became the name that everybody knows him to be. He had that show uh, for 25 years, a true entrepreneur, building his own brand, running with it, but he had some challenges. What do you take away from his story? I like I like anybody who can get arrested, figure it back out, get lose a few jobs, figure it back out, go bankrupt, figure it back out. Got to love that. I love resilience. Yes. Can you now share maybe what your biggest challenge was when this happened to you? Yeah, I mean, I... I in general, I think that, you know, you're going to have something that knocks you out. You don't know when it's coming. I've always said yes. the one superpower I would never want is the ability to see the future. Like that yes. would scare the hell out of me. Like seeing the thing, like I, I can figure it out when it actually happens, but if I know it's coming, oh, I would be, I can't even imagine the anxiety of knowing <laughs> it's going to happen. So I never want to see the future, but I like knowing that I feel like I have the the skill to be able to handle what, what, whatever, and I have the resilience to handle whatever. But I, I think, so I, I, I think, you know, you go through things that are going to be harder than you ever imagined, but for whatever, I can just tell you this, you have it in you to make it. You know, you just, you just do. And if, if you knew what it is, you, you'd give up already. Like I always said, if I knew all the challenges I would have with each one of my businesses, I would have never started any of them, any of them. Had I known if somebody would have said, okay, but you're gonna have to handle this in the next five years, I would have said, there's no way I couldn't do that. That is way too hard. That is not worth it, but you end up figuring it out. I would agree with you on many levels there in entrepreneurship. If I saw how slow the beginning would be, all the challenges I would have, the thousands and thousands of no's I would have, I probably would have found another job. But you also mentioned how sometime in life, something's going to knock you off your feet and you won't see it. Same thing would happen to me in a different regard. Hit by, hit by a car while walking home, wake up in the hospital about a week later, and it was either crawl over, why me, why me, start crying or turn something negative into something positive, which Sean is aiding in right now, helping me inspire entrepreneurs out there, helping them through our shared story. So thank you, Sean. Oh, no, it's great to be on the podcast. Absolutely. Now we're going to dive right back into your story. One more time to help our audience. What is one of your greatest lessons learned throughout your career in entrepreneurship? Uh, there's partnering. There's I, I have a, a formula called one plus one equals done. I always believe that the greatest businesses typically were, were partnerships of some kind, statistically, if you look at it. I mean, Walt Disney, he had his brother, you know, Roy Disney. You can go from, uh, I mean, like golly, Warren Buffett has Charlie Munger. Bill Gates, obviously, had, um, which is, golly, I'm going to blank on the fellow that he had that owns the, yeah. owned the Seattle and all that, um, owned the Seattle Seahawks and owned the Timberwolves. Um, but, but you look, they're typically partnerships. Elon Musk partnership with PayPal and with 
Tesla. I, I think the one thing is that I've, I'm when I do anything now, I'm always looking for who's the one person that has that whatever it is I need. Typically, it's either in the early stages, it was capital. Then it became time. You know, people just had time that I didn't have and or expertise. Now it's time or expertise. I, I typically need somebody in those areas. In the early days, it was capital. But, um, you know, you try to do everything yourself. And if you really want to scale, I've always said 50% of a lot is better than 100% of a little. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the ability to find that one person, you know, that has what you need. Oh, it's Paul Allen. It just came to me with the there, Microsoft yes. there, Paul Allen. So, you know, and, and then even Steve Jobs with Steve Wozniak. I mean, you're, there's your, some of your greatest entrepreneurs I just mentioned in the last 50 years and mm-hmm. partnership. So I'm always looking for that one person who can bring the ingredients that I don't have. All right. We got some lessons learned from today's amazing guest. Now this can also be a bonus podcast, the podcast episode, because we're going to delve deeper into his top podcast, the 10 minute entrepreneur. I think a lot of you listening on will find a lot of value in his show. Tell us all about the show. I was having lunch with one of my business partners, which I try to do. And they always say how I teach something really quick. Like Sean's very to the point. He likes standing meetings. They're like, you should do like a quick podcast so that all the partners can just listen to your teaching on the podcast. Typically, I'm trying to work with a group of, of partners. And that was, I think, 2018 and then came up with 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, you know, it's top 50 in over 50 countries, was number four in Mexico. Like, I've never cracked top 20 in Mexico and number was number four this morning. So I'm always humbled by it. But it's, like I said, it's short doses, clearly. One episode a week, I teach something. And then the rest, I interview active entrepreneurs and or authors that have written something that I think would be valuable to an entrepreneurial audience. But again, brief chunks of time. Uh, next week, I'm interviewing Ed Milet. I've interviewed Andy Frisella. I've interviewed Brad Lee. I've interviewed probably 30 New York Times bestselling authors. So yeah, because it's a short little format, I'm able to get some pretty great guests that they can talk to me on their way to the gym. That's great. And when did you found this podcast? I think it was 2018. I know we've had over 400 episodes. Well, congratulations on that success. Um, now everyone listening on, how can they find you? You know, you can obviously listen to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast for Spotify, Apple, you know, things of that nature. Go to seancastrina.com and you'll get one of my, you get a free book, The Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. And we, we give out stuff throughout the month that's really, if you're an entrepreneur, we just, we don't try to sell you anything. Everything's free, free book, everything's free. And then you'll get an invitation to the Weekend MBA, which will sell out. Um, so yeah, the, just go to seancastrina.com. You can follow me on Instagram. There's always something good that I'm offering there. Um, knowledge wise, and then the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast. Thank you for sharing all that. And everyone listening on, be sure to give his podcast a listen. If you enjoy our show, you'll definitely love his. We are at that entrepreneur show on all social media. And I am at Vincent a Lancy. I would like to thank everyone for tuning in and we will see you next Friday on another show of that entrepreneur show. Sean, thank you again for stopping by. No, great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast.